0: Welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's RotoWire's Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the first one after Christmas was celebrated in uh, recent days, north and south of the border, by me and my co-host. Uh, hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario. You can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Schultz, a great follower. AJ scholz 24 based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to RotoWire headquarters over in Madison. Uh, we were shut down for the past week because my partner was a little under the weather, but we're happy to be back with you. And on today's show, we're going to take a two-week look at what's happened in terms of the hot shooters and, of course, the usual injury notes and roster update. But before we go there, I want to ask my buddy, AJ, about an incident that we talked about before coming on the air that happened about a week ago, Kale McCarr captured the spirit of the holiday season i guess aj where uh, matthew Barzal was called for a tripping penalty against the ab star blue liner but mccarr told the referees that he should there should be no foul and the penalty should be re- revoked as he simply lost an edge and fell on his own the penalty in fact was canceled and mccarr later apologized to his teammates saying he's never going to do that again because it cost him a power play so i i think uh it, it's going to get him more calls over the rest of the season. But I really don't think he's going to ever do that again. He admitted that he probably shouldn't have done it in the first place. And I don't think any depth players are going to try that tactic anytime <laughs> soon. This was a one-off, AJ, though it does, does reveal Makar's character, I guess. And you can bet he's going to get a lot of calls the rest of the way. But then measured against that partner, and I'm going on a little bit here, but I'll give you time in a sec. I have a review proposal because in last night's hockey game, it was a Tuesday night, in St. Louis, where the Leafs came to town, there was a stick foul on a player that drew blood late in the game. It was a tie score, and none of the officials on the ice saw the incident at all, they claim. And then uh, it's an automatic double minor if, if there's a stick foul on a, on a play like that. I say, give the coaches one penalty review per game. I say, let's get it right. AJ, where do you stand on it? Uh, first of all, a nod to Kale McCarr, and uh, would you ever pull off something like that? Or <laughs> what did you think of that incident?
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely like long term a uh probably you're probably right long term he'll get more calls from from that incident uh incident than anything else. So long term maybe it is a bit of a a smart play but uh you know again not sure if it was necessarily the right choice. Um, I certainly would never have done that. But, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> Kel McCarty is just a little bit of a better human than I am. So, uh, you know, stick stick taps him for being honest. But I also get, you know, his teammates not being too thrilled about that one uh, there. Uh, on the other side, you know, I, I don't know. Calls get missed all the time. As long as they're getting missed somewhat equally and called somewhat equally, like, you know, it happens. I, I'm not... Trying to get into reviews all the time and add more slowdowns to to the game. Like part of the reason we like hockey is it's fast and furious. It's it's always going. So uh, yeah, I get the get it right thing, but sometimes stuff just gets missed, and and you know what? It's part of the game, and just leave it be, Paul. You're just mad that it was the Leafs. If it, if that if that call goes the other way, right? If the stick file gets missed the other way, we are not even remotely talking about.
0: No, I, I look at, I'm, I see it on the basis of all 32 teams are playing the game. Let's do it, do them a favor, give them at least one chance to make a penalty call, get reversed or called to get it right. And and that's the bottom line for me. You can say it was born from a leaf issue. Sure. In this case it was, but it's not the first time that I've seen an egregious foul go uncalled. And, and, you know, they give all kinds of review opportunities to the NFL in the NBA, they have reviews. In the hockey, they get a review too. And if you get it right, I think it should be handled just like in the NFL where you keep your re- review and, and you get another one. So maybe you can use it on a family situation. And on a foul like that, you could see the play. It just takes five seconds of review. The stick came up and hit him, caused the blood blood to flow, should have been called. It won't take a lot of time, but I think fans would like to see it get get right. So that's where I'm coming from. And you can color it blue and white if you want. Huh? <laughs> All right. Uh, as I mentioned, we were last on the air December 14th. So we're looking at a two-week window where we didn't really cover anything in the NHL. So the statistics that we touch on in terms of goals and assists and goalie performances will reflect those totals. So don't come at us and say, oh, man, that's high for a week. But, no, it's it's right on for about two weeks. And, uh AJ, it's up to you to get us started with a look at the Anaheim Ducks. I know there's a challenge there, but uh, some neat things are happening, at least in gold, they might have discovered a new player and uh, a rookie of the year candidate's doing pretty well for them too. Well, I don't know if I'd go quite that that far there, Paul. Uh, you're referring
1: to Lucas Dosto. Um, <laughs> you know, he's played uh, just a... I mean, maybe that's not who you're talking about. Yeah, I am, I am. I am. That's
0: fine.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, he's got – he's 2-3-1 and one in seven appearances. 3-5-3 three, three is the save percentage. So, you know, not really racking up wins here. John Gibson is going to be back tonight, so that's probably the biggest news for them. Gibson's healthy, ready to go after, uh, you know, missing the, the last five games here. And he'll take the – I think he'll take the bulk of the workload. You know, maybe Dostal – earns himself the number two job uh, ahead of Anthony Stollerts, who's been sidelined for a while, but I don't really see much else coming out of that. John Gibson, I would expect to continue to see the bulk of the workload and he's going to struggle to rack up wins. Uh, He already has, it's just five wins in 22 games for him this year. And really that's not John Gibson's fault uh, in a, in a lot of ways. So you know, they, uh, you know, maybe have something for the future. Gibson's not exactly, you know, old. It feels like he's been around forever because uh, he kind of became their starter at, you know, 21, 22. But he, he is actually still only 29 years old. So he should have plenty of time. So it's not like you have an aging netminder and want to do this young rebuild around him. You know, you probably got another couple uh, of good years of Gibson left in his prime and then possibly even a few years kind of post-prime, and let's not forget he's under contract for another four seasons. So I think this is still John Gibson's team. I don't see that changing anytime soon.
0: And in Arizona, don't look now, but this team has a winning record over their last couple of weeks. AJ, I see that they're coming off a two-game win streak into uh, this week's remaining action. But before that, uh, they compiled four, uh, three more wins in uh, seven games. So that's a winning record over the last nine if I look at it quickly enough, and, and that ha- they haven't had a stretch like that all year long. and uh, uh, In the middle of all of that, uh, some neat things are happening. Of course, the, everybody's talking about the fact that Jeff Checkrin's returned and he got seven assists over the last couple of weeks. But Shane Bear has also chipped in some offense and really shown his skills on that side of the puck most of the year, but three more goals and one assist for him. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, three goals and six assists as part of a six-game point streak. Clayton Keller with three and three, so the numbers are positive on the downside. They have lost matthias michelli he 's out six weeks with a lower body injury. He was second in rookie scoring when he went down he got twenty two points on the year in his place. Michael Carcone got called up to take a spot uh, on the left side there and he scored in his first game back. He's also a guy that was a recent high draft pick, and so he'll get a uh, look-see in Michelli's absence, I think. And then one other note is that Yanis Moser is emerging as a third scoring option on this blue line. So even if they do find a way to deal uh, Jeff Chikrin, and everybody believes that's the case, they're still going to have two other scoring options on the back end. So the building block's starting to come together, and they'll get some nice pieces, I'm sure, in an eventual Chikrin deal.
1: Well, it's been a bit of a rough go for Boston lately, Paul. They're just a mere 7 1 and 2 in their last (laughs) 10 outings here. Um, Obviously, I'm kidding as they continue to compile wins uh, 27 to lead the league, well clear of uh, next best. You know, your Leafs have 22 wins, a few more overtime losses for your Leafs. So the point gap, not quite as big as that would seem. Um, But yeah, they continue to kind of cruise towards a potential President's Trophy. Win here, um, getting solid net mining from jeremy Swayman two uh three game, three starts, two wins, and uh just six goals allowed in there Omark looking okay uh you know three games started two wins, eight goals allowed slightly behind, but they continue to kind of split the workload. Pasternak with five goals in the last six games, Bergeron with six points there, marchant with six points, so everybody you want to produce is is doing what you ask them to they're relatively. A healthy club right now in terms of of injuries, you know, for a team that really struggled at the onset. They had a ton of guys out of the lineup to start the year. They're pretty much firing on all cylinders at this point and, uh, you know, really uh, taking it to the rest of the league.
0: Well, and in Buffalo, they're uh, unveiling Uka Loken in the last few weeks because of injuries to their net mining situation. He picked up a couple of wins and a total of four goals against in those appearances. So looking good there. And of course the offensive leaders are there with Tage Thompson and, and Alex Tuck racking up points and uh, Rasmus Dalin adding to his point total of four uh, total points in the last couple of weeks, but injuries to the blue line are are the top story for me right now as Owen power, uh, they're uh, First overall draft pick a couple of years ago is out of the lineup. And Henry Yoki a veteran uh, back uh, defender, is uh, also missing. And that's caused the call-up of former 2016 second rounder Kyle Clegg. This guy was highly regarded, but Clegg has uh, been a bit of a flop uh, at the pro level. He's going to get another chance to do some uh, work here on the blue line that's decimated by Hertz. And Lawrence Pelut is another guy that is drawing into the lineup on the back end. Clearly the weak, weak spot for this this team uh, behind that excellent offense and uh, I'll say middling goaltending. They're still relying on Craig Anderson far too much. Uh, he's on the wrong side of 40 and uh, still being called into action. Another interesting development with the fact that three youngsters Cousins, Paterka and Quinn have uh, formed a very effective second scoring line. Suddenly the 4.75 a cap hit on Victor Olofsson is not looking very good. He started the season okay, but he's been MIA and dropped to third-line status of late.
1: Well, if there's any team that's been challenging Boston, potentially uh, for you know that President's Trophy, Carolina is definitely one of them of late. They are on a nine-game winning streak right now. 9-0-1 is the record in their last 10 games. So they have been absolutely rolling right now um you know it's it's a little bit of everything for them you've got offensively Jordan Stall has been kind of their key piece lately uh Martin Neckash has been doing good Jasper Fast uh you know they've had some guys out due to due to injury but that hasn't really slowed them down Sebastian Aho one of those uh, no points in in his uh last two games uh but that does come off a seven game absence. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to get rolling here, five shots in those two games. So really good from that standpoint. And then of course, between the pipes getting phenomenal uh, net mining by anti Ranta right now, or at least decent enough net mining from Ranta eight, uh, nine, three the save percentage before wins over the last two weeks. Kuchi, uh, as they call him Piotr Piotr Kuchev, uh, Kuchekov, rather, if Excellent. I hopefully get that right. Excellent. Um, nine three eight was the save percentage for him in three wins. One six seven the save percentage. So really getting a ton of good net mining right now. And the question for me becomes: At what point, you know, do we not? Uh, you know, how does Freddie Anderson factor into this? First off, when are we going to get Freddie Anderson back? He's been out since early November. Do you impact this kind of tandem role that they've been have, you know, going really well right now? Um, You know, for, uh, you know, they just the the net mining has been so solid. It seems silly to kind of mess with it by putting Freddie Anderson in. But of course, you're talking about Freddie Anderson. This is a high class goaltender who's capable of winning some games and keeping some pucks out of the net. So they're going to eventually have some tough choices to make
0: here. And in Calgary, they got uh, the freedom of not worrying about too many significant pieces on the injury list. Of course, Oliver Shillington's been missing for a while, but the six-pack of defensemen that they have are all veterans, so they've stabilized. And the beneficiary of that is Jacob Markstrom, who's back in the number one seed in the net mining situation. Dan Vladar had held that role for a few weeks, but uh, Markstrom has started eight of the last seven of the last eight games and uh, done so effectively. So it's safe to say that. Their uh, veteran starter is ready to reclaim his uh, position and go on a bit of a run here going forward. The goals against average under three, finally, and the safe percentage uh, getting ready to go over the 90 percent mark. So those are the numbers where his, his career stats have normally been. and We're likely to see him go the rest of the season and more according to his usual form. So that's great news for Calgary. In front of him, we already have talked about the fact that Huberto is starting to look more comfortable. He racked up six points over the last couple of weeks, right in line with Toffoli, Dubé, Kadri. These guys all between five and eight points over the last couple of weeks. Even Milan Lucic got into the act, AJ, with two goals and two assists. And uh, Lindholm leading the pack with two and seven. So you can see the offensive mathematics are coming into into shape too. So basically what I'm saying is there's, there's uh, uh, look out for the Flames. They've got all hands on deck and uh, with the stability in that, I think they're going to be ready to go on a bit of an extended eater uh, in the next couple of weeks.
1: For the Blackhawks, it continues to be kind of a lost season for them as it has been for a while. They're actually sitting well behind Arizona for last place in the Central, nine points back, three, nine, and two is the record over, uh, um, I'm sorry, one, nine, and oh, looking at the wrong record there, one, nine, and zero oh is the record over the last 10 games, and you're seeing it start to affect even their stars, Jonathan Taves, just two goals in their last six games, Patrick Kane with one goal, Max Dome with a goal, um, and and really not much else. Uh, Andreas Athanasiou, just one goal, no assists in his last six games. So you're seeing it impacting more and more of this roster. They do have Peter Merezik and Alex Stalock both healthy right now, so they'll probably continue to split the the crease moving forward. Um, But again, as we've talked all season, this is going to be a team that come the deadline here is going to just be shelling out pieces can somebody come in and absorb either the Patrick Kane or the Jonathan Taves contract? That's going to be a little tough, I think, to do, but uh, you know, you get them moving to somewhere, they're playing with better talent, maybe kind of revitalizes them and, and helps, uh, helps get them going.
0: And in Columbus, it's audition time, AJ. This season has quickly gone into the dumper and, uh, and it's accelerating now with news that Patrick Liney's is out with COVID issues and, uh, we joins Jakob Voracek, who's out for the season with his injury, uh, Igor Chinnikov, Boone Jenner, the first-line centre, also joining the ranks of the injured list up front. And, of course, they're missing Jake Bean and Zach Wierenski on the blue line and Elvis Merzliken's day-to-day in that. So what does that tell you? It's audition time up front. And Kirill Marchenko and Kent Johnson are now the two-thirds of the uh, de facto top unit. So... Uh, if you're looking to really go against the grain and DFS play, those are two candidates because you know, they're going to get a lot of ice time in those positions. They're partnered with Gustav Nyquist, who's been a perennially high scorer here for Columbus and, uh, I mean, that might be whistling into the wind, though, A.J., in terms of real good opportunities here. Jack Ruslavic has been moved around a little bit. He was formerly a center on this roster. He's moved to the right side on a line with Johnny Gaudreau. And Emil Benstrom is another guy pressed into duty at the center position. I'd be more apt to look at him as a, a low-end DFS play with the likes of Ruslavic surrounding him. So not much positive to talk about in, in terms of what's going on for this team. Certainly they've got... Uh, A lot of trouble on the back line where Vladislav Gavrikov is their best piece, but even he may be gone by the trade deadline. So slim pickings here, but uh, that second line for me is interesting in terms of a low end DFS possibility.
1: Over in Colorado, it's basically become McKinnon watch uh, whether or not he's going to play in their next game. It appears to be trending in the right direction. uh, Even though he was technically put on injured reserve yesterday, um, that's probably a retroactive designation. So by moving him around, you're just looking at cap kind of flexibility. All signs at practice today seem to indicate he is trending in the right direction. So I will say if not today or tomorrow, rather, I would expect McKinnon probably will be back by Saturday. That's just kind of, kind of my reading of things. Nothing official from them in terms of a timeline. Colorado could desperately use uh, their star center back as soon as possible especially when you consider they've had injuries uh, throughout the forward ranks. Uh, You know, Darren Helm has continued to be out. Val Nichushkin is out. Um, And then, of course, Gabriel Landis got to get the start of the year. They've actually been rolling with eight defensemen uh, for games lately. And so a lot of that has fallen on Miko Rantanen, who has stepped up. Five goals, two assists in his last six games. Kel McCarr was six points over that stretch as well. Evan Rodriguez, another player, four points in six games. So another guy that's kind of stepped up. So they've had guys kind of step up in ways that they need him. But there is just no replacing Nathan McKinnon.
0: So we'll have to keep an eye on whether he's back Thursday or possibly Saturday. And in Dallas, it's been a very nice year for the Stars. Of course, the development of a couple of players up front and uh, the discovery of Jake Oppinger as easily a top 10 goalie in this league. Uh, behind it all uh, are factors that contribute. Ottinger, considering the last couple of weeks, five game starts, four wins among them, and eleven goals against in that seven two and one team record. Wyatt Johnson's emerging too, AJ as a as a found money, a twenty third overall draft pick in the twenty twenty one draft. He's got ten goals and five assists in thirty six games, but uh, three goals came in the last week and a half, and that they got to feel good about that. But also, how about uh, Jamie Ben? Three goals, four assists. In the last six games, he suddenly has 34 points in 36 games on the season, a uh, rebirth uh, of his career, I'll say, uh, after struggling for a couple of years as uh, in-depth positions on this roster. He's front and center on the top six with that effort and one of the orneriest guys to deal with, too. So uh, they've got that going for them. Of course, uh, Robertson and Pavelski continue to do their thing. But one other young gun who is missing in action is Denis Gurianov. He's been given an an indefinite lead of absence to deal with a personal family issue. We certainly hope it turns out well. But I really like the offensive depth on this club, AJ, when you consider that they can afford to put uh, Jamie Benn on a third scoring line with Johnston. And uh, Tyler Sagan and uh, Ty Delandria drive a second unit behind one of the best lines in hockey up front. And there's no slouches on defense, though Ryan Sutter and Colin Miller have not really held up the end of their that end of their bargain with uh, subpar performances on the blue line. They, they're probably looking to upgrade on defense in uh, the third and fourth slots in the depth chart there.
1: Well, since returning from a brief one-game injury absence, Dylan Larkin has found his offensive game four points in his last three games. And you look before that one game off, you have to wonder if uh, whatever you know was bothering him had been kind of a lingering issue. He had just one point in five games, sits out a game to get healthy, and then comes back seemingly stronger uh, than before. So probably a good decision to sit him that game, get him some rest. The offense in general has been pretty middling from – uh, from Detroit of late, you've got Michael Rasmussen with five points as your leading score. Um, David Perron right there with five points as well. So obviously getting Larkin back is a huge win. They're really not getting anything close to quality net mining right now. Ville Husso won one and one in his last three contests, eight, seven, nine was the save percentage. Magnus Helberg comes in. He loses his one appearance this past week with an even lower save percentage, and they still have Alex Nedeljkovic on the roster here. They just haven't started him since December 8th. No real reports of an injury in this one, but you consider he's given up nine goals in his last two appearances. It's no wonder that they're sitting him. You have to wonder if maybe they're looking to possibly trade Nedeljkovic just because of how poorly he seems to be playing right now maybe get somebody else to bite on him he's got uh he's in the final year of a contract would be a UFA at the end of the year so uh, maybe somebody with an injured backup or, or trying to see you know hey let's have first dibs on signing this guy if he can actually come in and look better but certainly
0: things not going well for Nedukovic in Detroit right now When you consider two players in the league having 67 points and 57 points respectively leading the NHL scoring race in McDavid and Dreisaitl, and then it drops down to Jason Robertson at 51 points and Tage Thompson at 50 for other teams, I'm surprised that the owners are just barely in a playoff position today, but then you consider the fact that their goaltending has been an issue for much of the season, and uh, then it starts to crystallize a little bit. Certainly, Jack Campbell has lost the net here, and in his place, Stuart Skinner has performed well enough to garner five starts over the last week and a half, two wins in that mix 15 goals against, and therein lies the problem. AJ, their best goalie is barely around the three goals against average. He started 10 of his last 12 outings, <laughs> compiling a 2.82 goals against and a 9.15 save percentage. Those are pretty good numbers. He'll have to continue that over the rest of the season, though, for this team to solidify things. And they're gonna—they've shown faith in him by rewarding him with a new contract, 2.6 million over each of the next three years—is a nice payday. But uh, they're still looking at Jack Campbell with his five million. Uh, over the next five years, wondering what to do about that situation. That's the cloud over here in Edmonton. Certainly, they have to be pleased with two other ex-Leafs who are doing their own uh, thing and doing it at a high level recently. Zach Hyman, performing at a point-per-game pace, having a career year. And Tyson Berry uh, starting to put some uh, some points on the board with seven points to his record as well. Surprising development for me. Jesse Pulizari is back in the top line mix over the last three games. He's got one assist in those tilts. Uh, the three centermen now are McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. They're really trying to spread things around, but I don't. I think they can't wait for Evander Kane to return, and that should happen soon from his wrist, wrist injury. There'll be more line juggling then, and we'll see next week how that unfolds. We'll be able to report on that for you at that point.
1: Should be some good injury news coming for the Florida Panthers, possibly as early tomorrow as all of Alexander Barkov, Aaron Ekblad, and Radko Gudis are potential plays Tomorrow, obviously, Barkov would have the biggest impact as their first line center. He would likely play alongside Carter Verhege and Colin White in that first line role. Obviously, Ekblad would potentially be a factor on the power play as well, with that number one unit really bolstering uh, his value for you there. Gudis more of a depth player, um, probably not going to impact a lot of fantasy teams. But good news for them uh, could be you know maybe less shots faced by. Uh, goalie Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight with a guy like Gudis back in the lineup. And so they trending in the right direction health wise. And that could set them up to make a run here in the the back half of the season. They're obviously down in six right now, uh, seven points off uh, an automatic third place. Uh, And then, of course, there's the wild card hunt, which they are definitely trailing behind in as well. Uh, They're a full nine points behind the Rangers
0: for that wild card spot. AJ, when Cal Peterson was sent down by Los Angeles to their minor league affiliate, I thought that they were really going to be in trouble. And then that's, uh, they were counting on this guy to, to at least partner effectively with Jonathan quick. And he really has not be in the minors though. Six games played total of 12 goals against average. That's a 2.00 goals against down there. So he's got his act together, but I don't think he's going to get a promotion anytime soon because Phoenix Copley, was brought up in his place. And all he's done is win seven of his late eight decisions and uh, produced a goals against average of 243, save percentage of nine, 91.2. So those are great numbers. And again, a situation of found money for Los Angeles, kind of stabilizing this team and putting them on one of the best runs they've had all season. So they have to be thrilled about that. And coupling that with the, some offensive pieces that are doing well, uh, Dano with seven points, Kempy with five, Arvidsson with five. It's the veteran leadership that is stepping forward for this club at a critical time. So uh, offense and defense looking good. They make themselves a tough out all of a sudden.
1: Over in Minnesota, it's been a little bit more. Uh, Philip Gustafson of late over the last two weeks as we look here. He got four starts to Mark Andre Fleury's two. And through no fault of Fleury's 962 save percentage, one zero zero goals against average in those two games. And I think it's just kind of how the schedule has uh, you know kind of shook out for them. They had a back to back heading into the holidays. So they had Flurry take the first one, Gustafsson takes the second, and then they're in another back to back. They're on the second half of that tonight. They had Gustafsson take the first one. Flurry getting the second one. So, really, in a lot of ways, that's just good management of a veteran, a 38 year old netminder. You have these back to backs, give them the extra time off in between. So, really, I don't think it should be taken if you're a Flurry fantasy os- owner and season long as any sort of indication that Flurry is going to lose starts here. They have been splitting of late, so that could continue. But again, they've been also been a little back to back heavy as
0: well. So, that's obviously a factor here as well. In Montreal, you know, there's some interesting developments here. We haven't talked too much about Arbor Jacki. He looked like kind of an intriguing piece when you saw all the, the rough stuff that he was involved with in, in the exhibition schedule. But he's performed admirably admirably enough to put a plus two on the board as well in terms of season-to-date numbers. The goal scoring and the assists are not really there, 10 and 32 games. But he's there for his physicality, and he's not hurting them, on, uh, as the plus minus indicates. So uh, a good pick up there. And... Uh, a guy who's going to be part of this team leadership i think when uh, when they start to emerge as a more of a, a competitive club up front ahead of them certainly everybody wants to know what's happening with that spot between Suzuki in Caulfield. Right now, Joel Yoel Armia is getting a look there. The veteran is going to provide some physicality. I, probably, I think it's a good fit here, AJ, but it's born out of the situation where Sean Monahan has been uh, sidelined. He was on the IR, should be returning to the lineup soon, and that might cause few more changes. Jonathan Drouin has drawn into a top-six role, I wonder when this guy's going to run out of chances, though, because honestly, the offense is just not there, and uh, he's getting yet another top six opportunity. And uh, I just wonder how many more kicks at the can this guy's going to get. But uh, they're they're looking at tryouts all across the board. And again, I have to say, Josh Anderson now dropping to a third line situation uh, looks like he's insulating Juraj Juric Slavkovsky there, the prize rookie, there, but. Uh, apart from being his uh, bodyguard, Anderson should be scoring a lot more than he is. And uh, for the salary that he's getting paid, he just shows up once every four games or so. And that's not enough for me. I I don't like the fit there. And I think that if they could jettison that contract, he might be a, a player that's on the move at the trade deadline.
1: There are some injury concerns for the New Jersey Devils, specifically on the blue line, where both Ryan Graves and John Marino were designated for injured reserve today. Now, both of those guys uh, have already been considered week to week. So this shouldn't come as a huge surprise and neither is exactly an offensive uh, powerhouse right now, but certainly it's going to stretch their organizational depth. They brought up Tyler Wortherspoon uh, from the minors in a corresponding move to those IR transactions. So, um, Could be an opportunity where or a situation where rather you're going to see a little bit more um, workload for Vitek Vanasek. We obviously saw what happened against Boston when he gets yanked after giving up, um, you know, three or I'm sorry, against Carolina, gave up three goals on just 13 shots. Then goes into the Boston game as well. um, Comes in for for Mackenzie Blackwood there who got pulled after two periods. So you're seeing kind of corresponding with some of these blue line injuries their net miners are struggling right now and I think there's a chance that that could
0: continue because they just don't have a whole lot of support on the blue line and in Nashville you're talking about a team that's if I told you they lost eight of the last 10 games you'd think I can't be talking about the Predators this is a team that looks like a roster that should be better much better than they have shown so far and it's just not happening right now but at least UC Soros is is doing his bit. His numbers, like Markstrom, are are trending back to his career norms after a sluggish start, and if it's on him to continue in that regard. The offense is just not keeping pace, and you look at the fact that their leading scorer after 33 games is Rowan Yossi, again, uh, tied with Philip Forsberg and uh, Matt Duchesne. That 26 points is not really uh, indicative of a team with a, a good enough offense. There are players that have underperformed here, and they include Nino Niederreiter and Ryan Johansson behind them and yakov trennan is another young guy that i expect much uh, to take a jump but he only has eight points on the season to date so there's been some disappointments among the offense and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention tanner tanner Janot. a lot of people were high on him at the beginning of the season you weren't one of them aj to your credit i was though and and to see him with three goals and three assists in in 33 games played is a big disappointment uh maybe the biggest one on this roster to date The Islanders, uh,
1: Sorokin goes six games, uh, has two, just two wins in there, 11 goals allowed. And so that speaks to some of the problems uh, that they're having on Long Island of late. You look at their last 10, just four, four and two. So pretty pedestrian look for them right now, especially um, as they continue to, you know, kind of work through some injuries. Uh, Simeon Varlamov is still out. Looks like we could even see Corey Schneider tomorrow. They've got Clutterbuck, Paul Mary, uh, Oliver Wallstrom is picked up an injury. Adam Pellish is out as well. So they're a really banged up squad dealing with injuries throughout the lineup. And it's showing in their recent performances uh, whether or not they'll be able to start building some wins. Honestly, it you know, there's a lot of season left, but in like in the Metro, it almost feels <laughs> Uh, Like they're falling behind now. They do just have 42 points, but they played more games than some of the other teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins at 34, New Jersey Devils also have 34. So they really cannot suffer kind of a long run, uh, a drought like this, if they're going to be in the hunt. You can't be a middling team in the Metropolitan. You have to be winning more games than you're losing. Uh, or it's just not going to work out here. You can't just go skating
0: even by with something like a four-four and two record. You know what? You're right, and no team understands that more than New York Rangers. They're in that mix, AJ, battling with your Penguins and the Caps for one of the last playoff spots. If the playoffs started today, in fact, both wildcard clubs would come from the Metro Division, and uh, that's that's not even talking about New York Islanders who are nipping at the Rangers and the Penguins heels. In the mix with the Capitals for uh, even third place in that division. So uh, it's going to be topsy turvy, only four, two points set up set, separating those four teams. The Rangers, trying to do their part to stay in the mix, are banking on Shusterkin continuing to do what he does. Five game starts and three wins over the last couple of weeks, totaling 11 goals against. The goals against right down where they needed to be to keep competitive. Interesting development up front, though. Cavalcaco, three goals and two assists. Uh, He's he's new to the league, only a couple of years in, but finally getting some traction uh, showing his (coughs) offensive skills. He's got a great opportunity to play with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider on on a very potent top line. So pretty good sneaky DFS value play there if you go that route. And then uh, Jimmy Vesey and uh, Truba, three points each uh, for them over the last couple of weeks. Vincent Trocek's been uh, blossoming as a second-line scoring uh, winger here and uh, you got to like what he's doing paired with artemi panera and aj so am uh, pretty happy for for that situation for those guys in new york
1: for ottawa it's been a pretty good two week stretch here for cam talbot three one and one is the record in his five uh, appearances over the last two weeks you've got a uh, goals against average just below three save percentage uh, about nine one three here so again a good week for for him they are dealing with a, a few kind of injury concerns on the back end. You've got Artem Zub, Nikita Zaitsev still working to come back. Uh, Bernard Docker could be back soon. Eric Brandstrom is also still sidelined. So, some again, some injury concerns on the blue line that could see the kind of shot totals faced by these netminders, specifically Cam Talbot creeping up offensively. Uh, they're, they're pretty healthy on the, on the front end here. In terms of recent producers, you've got Batherson with a solid week, nine points in in six games. DeBrincat the same, nine points, seven of those those being assists. Brady Chichuk with six points as well. If there's a concern here, it's the fact of how drastically it drops off after that. When you've got Batherson, DeBrincat at nine, Chuck at six, then suddenly your next best is Claus Giroux at just three points in their last six games. Shane Pinto, Thomas Shabbat at that same level, so. Some of it, obviously, the fact Tim Stutzley was sidelined for a chunk of time uh, during that stretch. He's healthy now and has uh, two points in two games since returning from a, a four-game absence. So he, As he gets rolling, I think some of these you know disparities between the top and the bottom of their lineup in terms of offense should uh, kind of transition here.
0: Have you noticed that, that we're seeing more John Tortorella blowing his cap, uh, his staff, uh... Issues, uh, AJ, uh, they, they should make for a good. No, fodder. I haven't
1: noticed more of it because it constantly happens, <laughs> it always happens. We're gonna and see why John Tortorella, you need to be prepared for that.
0: We're <laughs> gonna see more and more, buddy, over the next couple of weeks because some bad news came down the pipe. Uh, Carter Hart, uh, who had performed well uh, in the last couple of weeks, is back on the IR with an upper body injury. There's no idea yet, from, from what I'm hearing, how long it's gonna be, but the net mining tandem now is going to be Samuel Urson and Felix Sandstrom. That's a combo that has a total of 16 NHL appearances between them in their careers. So uh, it should be some some tough sledding ahead of them, but... I have to be happy for a, a couple of guys. Travis me has looked very feisty in this roster and really uh, rebounded for a poor season last year. Got four goals and three assists going for him in the last couple of weeks. And the, so the offense is coming from him. And Morgan Frost is another guy who's starting to light it up with three goals and one helper over that stretch. Uh, and on defense they're getting production from d'Angelo in New York, so there are some pieces that are ready to compile some offense and James van Reemsdyke is giving a given a top six role largely in the hope with the hope that he's gonna parlay that into a hot streak that gets him traded at the deadline. So uh, some method to the madness here. I'm surprised though with what's going on with Kevin Hayes, AJ. That he must be in in the coach's doghouse because the leading scorer is now on a third-line wing position. And uh, that smells like a bit of a problem in the dressing room to me because this guy has put up some totals this year to lead the club offensively. It's just I'm waiting for a shoe to drop there and more information to come from that situation because uh, something smells funny there. Well, Paul,
1: I'll jump in real quick and just say uh, on those two flyer situations, obviously we saw Kevin Hayes scratch that one game despite being their leading scorer. He voiced his uh, disagreement, so there's obviously that factor. Clearly him and Tortorella not on the same page there. And then as far as Carter Hart goes, I did want to just update. They are expecting him to uh, actually start their next game on Saturday. So the the Mm -hmm. IR thing, kind of a procedural with him not being able to go tonight, but they are expecting him to start uh, on both Saturday and their next game, I believe, which is Monday as well.
0: Well, he better stay healthy because I mentioned the, the lack of depth behind him. So a cautionary tale for sure. In any case, let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some new, more news and notes from around the league and the remaining 10 clubs. You're listening to roto podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
0: And we are back on Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Uh, At the moment now, we'll give the mic over to AJ to remind you how to follow us on a weekly basis, but before that also to give a nod to our premier sponsor at Caesars.
1: Yeah, as Paul mentioned, uh, Caesars, a big supporter of our show, and we want to give them some love. As you all, I'm sure, are aware, the NFL season is entering the final Weeks of the regular season, there's tension and a lot of stuff on the line in every one of these games. I encourage you to get in on the action. Get something on the line as well. It is the best time to try Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years of age and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15, that's roto one 5 the promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. Of course, if you have questions about our takes on uh, the end of the NFL season, something NHL related, uh, obviously the Paul is here for NBA or uh, MLB if you're interested in that. I'll talk soccer. All these sports questions, we are available to chit-chat with you over on Twitter. You can follow me at ajshows 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22.
0: All right, partner, that was a mouthful, so I'm going to give you a chance to collect your breath, but we have 10 teams to go through, and one of them that's up next is the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Are you ready to give me the latest news on what's happening in Pitt? Well, the latest news there
1: is what in the... I'll refrain from using four-letter words, but happened last night as they lose 5-1 to the Islanders. Not thrilled with that one. Tristan Jari looking subpar. Pierre-Oliver Joseph, uh, the only player to produce a goal for the Penguins. And really, after a really strong start to December, uh, kind of a bad end to the month for Jari when you consider nine goals allowed in his last two games. Give him a little bit of leeway, giving up four to Carolina. That's a really good offensive team, a really good defensive team, too, actually. But um, I give them a little bit of break on that one. But you get all this time off, you come back, and you give a five to the Islanders. A little disappointing there. I expect we'll see Casey DeSmith tonight as they enter a back-to-back. But overall, things have been pretty good for the Penguins. Obviously, Jeff Petrie has been out for a while. Um, they did have to put both Josh Archibald and Ryan Pulling on IR this morning uh, and, and to call up Drake Kajula from the minors. Not really a huge impact, mostly a fourth line impact. Um, but, you know, those two guys, not huge losses. Again, on the blue line, Chad Ruwido dealing with an injury. They called up Ty Smith from the minors, which could be an ind- indication Ruwido might be sidelining long term. If Ruwido is on your fantasy team, please reach out to me at AJ Scholes, AJ Scholes24 on Twitter, because I don't understand why. He's not <laughs> really an offensive powerhouse. Um, maybe if your league heavily uses blocks or, or uh, hits, he would make sense there. But uh, I, I love Chad Rubio. He's been a great soldier for the Penguins for a very long time. Key uh, kind of seventh defenseman, but not going to really impact your team. So overall, um, some kind of minor injuries, a couple of poor performances for Jari. Those are kind of the main takeaways at this point for the Penguins.
0: And uh, Seattle's continuing to write an interesting story, AJ. Early in December, I thought that they were ready to s- stumble and uh, fall out right out of contention. They lost five out of six games. But since then, uh, they beat Winnipeg, they beat St. Louis, and they lost in a shootout to Vancouver. And along the way, they scored 15 goals in those three games. So that tells me the offense continues to be in high gear. And when I look at the individual scoring, I do see that reflected in the totals of fellas like Sprong, Donato, and McCann. So that speaks well of the offense. But to me, whether they can stay in contention is going to depend largely on the tandem of Marty Jones and Philip Grubauer. Jones has performed better than I thought he would actually on the season, AJ by miles. So that's been a big factor in this team staying in contention. They certainly have unveiled the uh, odds-on favorite uh, among skaters to contend for the Calder Trophy some may say that there's a goalie in Carolina that has it all sewn up, but Marty, Matty Benier is making a case as the leading goal, uh, point getter among rookies and playing first-line minutes alongside Eberle and, on, and McCann on a very credible top unit. Wenberg, Bjorkstrand, and Schwartz a pretty effective second line, so you can see that they've got, got six bona fide NHL forwards there to, uh, to deliver the offense while the defense and goaltending has to do their part to stay have this team stay in contention.
1: Well, over in San Jose, the storyline continues to be um, uh, Eric Carlson here. The team, (coughs) excuse me, the team itself not doing great, obviously. Seventh in Pacific. Carlson, though, 10 points in their last uh, five games here. He continues to put himself in contention for the Norris. He leads the league in goals with 13, leads the league in points with 48 among defensemen right now. Of those 10 points the last two weeks, five of those coming on the power play as well. So really, Eric Carlson, kind of the lone bright spot um, for this team right now. And talking about the Norris Trophy, look, I think a lot of us, myself included, probably considered for the next couple of years, we're going to be talking, is it Makar's year? Is it a Fox year? Which way is this going to go? A number of guys Stepping in to say, whoa, 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 let's not count the chickens before they hatch. Eric Carlson being one of them. Josh Morrissey has 40 points to start the year. Rasmus Dahlin a Buffalo with 37 points. So a few other guys getting into the mix here, trying to put
0: their stamp on the, the Norris Trophy race. And in St. Louis, this is a team that's perennially been in the Stanley Cup hunt. In fact, they won it a couple of years ago, but uh, they're looking like tough times might be ahead for this club and maybe a changing of the guard. I watched them play against the Leafs last night. It was a tight game. All the way through, at least com- coming through in uh, overtime session. But during the course of the game, there was a lot of talk about a couple of veterans on this club. So I'll I'll add my thoughts on Ryan O'Reilly and Vlad Tarasenko, both of them likely not to be re- able to be re-signed here going to the cap structure situation with the Blues. And you wonder if they can get some kind of a haul. They sure should for the talent that those guys bring to the table uh, though uh, you can look at also the fact that Vladimir Tarasenko, while he's got 29 points, he's carrying a minus 14. That's one of the worst marks on the team here, and uh, Ryan O'Reilly a minus 26. So uh, the offensive skills not total and. Totals not there, and certainly the two-way play not there for these guys like it's been in the past. So a bit of a red flag that I'll raise, that nobody raised during the broadcast last night, a bit of a concern. And also on defense, in terms of the depth back here, you're talking about a club that's missing three... Pieces on the back end to them are veterans that they miss will miss dearly. Tory Krug should be missing for the next six weeks, in fact, uh, news that came down recently. Marco Scandella, of course, has been on the sideline for a while. That leaves a just, uh, depth chart thin behind Letty, Falk, and Pareco. Certainly, Falk's having another nice offensive season. Pareko, similarly, Letty, not so much. And beyond them, it's pluggers like Mikola. Uh, Rosen and Pertuzo rounding out the, the top six. So that's really an area where you're going to look to see this team upgrade if they move some pieces around. That they'll be looking to acquire young defenseman to to fill that gap going forward. Over in
1: Tampa Bay, um, you look at the top of their their list here. A bit of uh, for starters, a bit of a quiet week. When I give these point totals, they might seem a little bit down, but compared to some of the other teams. The Lightning only played four games over the last two weeks, but the top of the board here: Nikita Kucherov, Brandon Hagel, Victor Hedman, Steven Samkos, and Brayden Point. All the guys you expect to be at the top of their list here are producing for them offensively, and of course they have Vasilevsky between the pipes, which always is a potential game-changing performance from him. He nine five one was the save percentage again. Um, with the schedule, they went a little bit even split here. Between uh, Vasilevsky took two, Brian Elliott took two. (coughs) Excuse me again, sorry. Um, Looks like it'll be uh, Vasilevsky going tonight. I would expect we'll see a little bit more workload from him coming out of the holiday break here. A little rested from that, a little extra time off, and he'll
0: start to pick up more of the workload. And in Toronto, AJ, you know what? I should be smiling like the, the... Butcher's dog here, but this team is playing at an 80% win percentage over the last 25 games played, and I think they've gained only two points on the Bruins. So they're locked into the second-place situation in the Atlantic Division, hoping that they can close the gap on the Bees and hold off the Bolts. But uh, otherwise, the news is pretty encouraging. On the defense defensive side of the puck, we have been talking about injuries galore on the back end, but it looks like Rasmus Sandin and Morgan Riley are going to drop back into the lineup possibly before the end of this week here as both of them are back at practice. So they have eight, Veteran, uh, eight experienced defensemen in the mix, including Connor Timmons, who's made a real good account of himself since he joined in to help plug the gap. And he's been gobbling up, up for, upwards about 18 minutes a game and piling up some assists along the way. And it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, moves forward in terms of the defensive depth. But I think you can safely say you can take that aspect off the shopping list going forward. And uh, they'll be focused on upgrading the offense. And one of the upgrades, to the offense in house. Is Cali Yarncroc. Cali Yarncroc has emerged as a bit of an offensive force since he's been plugged in with Mitch Marner and John Tavares. He had a three-point game last night that just builds on his confidence and what he's been doing since he was joined. had joined that unit, and then the third line behind them has been emerges as a really solid checking line with David Camp, centering Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot, who were both in the doghouse for me when I was. Uh, Uh, a viewer of this club and a fan of this club, but even they are starting to deliver the goods. So uh, very few negatives to report in Leafland, the health of the defense is going to be better. And I can't wait to see what this team looks like when they get all those guys back.
1: Well, Paul, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about some concerns about Bo Horvat and uh, the contract situation and whether it would affect him and, and everything. Well, I think we can definitively say no. When you consider the game before the holiday break, Two goals, two assists. Yesterday, the game coming out of the holiday break, much the same. Another four-point performance from Bor Horvat. Overall, that's 10 points in the last six games, including uh, six goals over that stretch as well. So I don't think there's anything to be concerned about there. They continue to roll with Spencer Martin as long as Thatcher Demko is sidelined. Six weeks was the original timeline there, which still puts us into mid January. So at some point here, we're probably going to get some Colin Delia, uh, which is obviously a concern. His numbers so far to start the year in limited action have been pretty good. Wins in both games uh, and, and two, three, three, the goals against average. But that would be a drastic improvement from his time in, in Chicago, where you look over the course of four seasons with uh, the Blackhawks here, just nine wins Uh, in roughly it looks like 32 if I can do some quick math 32 contests here so really a a very different Colin DeLeo we're seeing right now whether that can continue remains to be seen I imagine once they do get Thatcher Demko back he'll go back to the minors Spencer Martin will be the number two option behind Demko and they'll just roll from there so as long as they can get through it which so far they have been I think this team could start climbing the standings. They're a little behind the eight ball, obviously, but 7-3-0 in their last 10 games, a three-game win streak right now. There's plenty of work to do. Uh, they are still five points back from Seattle in terms of the final uh, spot in the Pacific Division, but they should be firmly in the wild card hunt here
0: as well. You know, i got to take my hat off to the Vegas Knights. They've gone through a minefield of injuries. Currently, they're missing a boatload of talent on the back end. Zach Whitecloud, Shea Weber, of course, on the injury list for the whole season. Not going to ever appear in hockey again. But Zach Whitecloud, Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, all key components of this back end. Missing in action right now. That's put a lot of load on... uh, Alex Petrangelo and Braden McNabb, the experienced hands who remain, but then they've por- forced Daniel Miramanoff, Ben Hutton, Braden Pacal to, to take some ice time, and Nicholas Haig probably the only other guy with any kind of experience as uh, a top pairing partner for Alex, Alex Petrangelo, despite all those shenanigans on the defense, they've still managed to win four of their last seven games played and keep a lid on the goals against for the most part. And credit for that has to go also to Logan Thompson, who's continuing to have an outstanding year as a, what I thought was a stopgap situation for Vegas and the Nets. but this kid has emerged uh, with a great record on the season as average Bulls against average below 2.7 on a team that's been missing so many pieces. Uh, they have relied also on the veterans up front to carry the load. Stone, Stevenson, and Carlson doing their bit. And they're hoping to get Jack Eichel back from the infirmary possibly before the end of the week, too. That'll be a big boost to the offense here. And uh, But really, they got to hope that, that the defense does get healthier in the near term to round things out and uh, give them a chance to push for an uh, un- upper seating in the play standings going forward. Well, obviously,
1: the big storyline in Washington is Alex Ovechkin getting to 801 and surpassing uh, Gordie Howe for second all time uh, on 802, uh, actually, uh, second all time on the goal scoring list. So now it's all about the pursuit of, uh, uh, wow, complete blank there. Um, all about the pursuit of the goal scoring title here for Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I'm Wayne Gretzky. And so that will be the storyline there. In addition to that, Washington did get back Darcy Kemper from injury. He had been sidelined um, for about, uh, looks like about eight games there due to uh, an injury and his two games back has looked really good. Uh, Just two goals allowed in two games. And that includes a shutout performance against the New York Rangers last night. So I would expect uh, right now it's kind of, it's hard to gauge because he came back, and he came back right into a back-to-back. So are they actually going to split the time between him and Charlie Lindgren, who has looked really good while Kemper has been sidelined, or are they going to go back to giving Kemper the work every, you know, every night? It's something to watch. I would expect you would see, at best for Lindgren, maybe a 40% share of the crease. I think Darcy Kemper come back so strongly right now um, that it would be hard not to give him at least – a 60% workload of, of the stars now, but we'll see how they decide to pl- deploy them. It's definitely something to continue to watch there uh, in, in Washington.
0: Well, for all the good that I saw in Vegas, in uh against a, a lengthy injury list, AJ, it's the opposite in Winnipeg, a growing injury list here has led to some real problems in, uh, in um, Winnipeg's fortunes. They've only won three of their last six games, uh, nine games rather. And, those injuries, concerns, mounting with Nate Schmidt, Logan Stanley on the back end, Blake Wheeler on the IR, Mason Appleton, Nikolai Ehlers, Cole Perfetti even joined them now. He was a guy that was given a chance to to find his way with a top six opportunity while some of the other guys were out. Now he joins them. And so Carson Kuhlman has been pressed into service. Uh, fans of the league will remember he cut his teeth with the Boston Bruins, never making it beyond a depth player there. He's now on the second line right wing between Scheifele and Adam Lowry. Lowry himself, not normally a top six player. So that's how thin things have gotten there. And even on the first line, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor are playing with Sam Gagne, another guy who's been more of a, a third or fourth line guy for much of the last few seasons. So that spells trouble for this team, and they're trying to remain afloat in, uh, against that. A very tough road to hoe, to stay in contention. A lot of people thought this would be the top team in Canada this season. They've fallen on hard times. will be hard-pressed, I think, uh, to to find a playoff spot unless they get healthy and turn their fortunes around very soon. So that takes us through the 32 teams uh, that we looked at over the last two weeks, as opposed to one uh, bringing up to date on the injury situation, line combinations of all of them. And uh, to close things out tonight, we're going to take a look at the sports book uh, on DraftKings website, the betting odds for all the games on tonight's Wednesday night slate of games. We'll begin AJ with a look at Montreal Canadians and versus the Tampa Lightning in Florida. And, uh, I don't know where you stand on this, but I think Tampa's really got to get their act together and kind of close the gap on the Leafs. Uh, I think the Bruins are out of sight for them, but certainly they would like to get home ice against Toronto or whoever finishes third. So they're poised to play the Montreal Canadiens tonight. And the betting favorite, a heavy favorite, when you consider on the money line, they're 365. Where do you stand on what might be the best opportunity to put some money down for tonight's game?
1: Yeah, with this one, I I honestly think... Um, you might want to consider you know Tampa Bay has lost their last two, um, looking a little bit uh shaky just, just recently. I know I just said overall they look really good, and, and that's true. So maybe you consider taking Montreal, uh, plus one and a half goals comes in at plus 125. So it's a really solid return, um, for for only having you know Montreal can lose by one. So I, I think it might actually be worth considering. That way, you know, Lightning could still win, which we fully expect they will. But if they only win by one, um, perhaps you can get some value out of Montreal. I'll run us into the next game, Paul. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Detroit Red Wings. You've got money line favors Pittsburgh minus two hundred five here, and over under of six and a half. And then Penguins on the puck line plus one twenty five. Um, I'm not sure I go quite with that value I might try and find something else here because uh, obviously the money line's not a good return either so Paul where would you go in this Penguins Red Wings game is it to the puck line or would you try and find something else
0: well, I look at Detroit on the money line, A.J., plus 175. If if you think that they can mm. upset your club, that's where that's where I might go tonight, just on a hunch that, that the troubles that Pittsburgh showed last night uh, repeat themselves this evening and uh, force you to concern, concern yourself on a mini losing streak here. But the Red Wings have some offensive firepower. They've got veterans in the net that can, will keep it close. And so I, I wouldn't mind taking a bit of a uh, look there on the money line. Um, what about the Bruins visit to New Jersey, AJ? This one's an interesting one. They they battled last week and it went down to the nub uh, late in the game, uh, a late decision. And uh, I think we're in for more of the same, uh, look, looking for a close game. What do you think on that one?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, the first, my first uh, reaction here is you're getting minus 120 on the Bruins just on the money line. I think that's a really good spot to be in here. Uh, They just, you know, they have been such a good team, maybe not quite as dominant as they were before. Um, So I really like that look here. Um, I think you could maybe find, you know, maybe some other options, uh, you know, that you could get a little bit more value. Trying to find, a lot of times they have, like, uh, to win, but in overtime. Um, I haven't seen that one quite yet, but it might be worth, Looking at here, because um, if you can find that, I think there's a chance that this one could go uh, the distance. I still think overall just straight money line, puck line totals. I would go uh, with Boston minus one twenty. I think they're the favorite and you're still getting decent value here for the start of the two late games tonight. I'll take us through the Golden Knights and Anaheim Ducks. You've got the Knights, the favorite minus one sixty six is the total in this one, uh, Golden Knights puck line, plus 140, that's pretty good value when you consider Anaheim's a pretty weak team here, Paul. Would you go that puck line? Would you consider maybe even moving to an alternate puck line here to get a little bit more value?
0: I like the value on that. Plus 140 for a team that should uh, uh, pile up some goals against a team that gives up more than anybody. I'll take that bet. Uh, the Kings, the the Ducks, really have trouble uh, defensively. The Knights have offensive, the offensive gear, as I mentioned. I'm expecting a high-scoring game here. You might might even look at a parlay and take a look at the over and see if they go over six goals. I might even go higher than that, seeing a, uh, an offensive explosion between these teams. So pick Vegas to win and go maybe seven goals and see what that payoff looks like as a bit of a parlay situation. And finally, I'll let you decide on what we do with the Calgary-Seattle game. Two teams that are playing rather well, and uh, the goaltending in Calgary, as I, as I said, seems to have stabilized in favor of Markstrom, so that's a good sign for them. But I wonder if uh, Seattle might might uh, offer enough resistance for you to pick them on uh, one of the lines here.
1: Yeah, this one basically, I, you know, looking at the lines is a coin toss here uh, minus one ten for for both teams. So I think for me, I'm going to stay away from that aspect of this game. Instead, maybe look at some player props. I'll start Tyler Toffoli, four goals in his last seven games. You can get him at plus 215 as an anytime uh, goal scorer here for Calgary. And then even, you know, maybe look to the Seattle side. I would expect we'll see multiple goals here. Um, If you're a Penguin fan like I am, you're not willing to trust Daniel Sprong, even though he has four goals in the last four games. Instead, maybe look to a guy – um, like uh, uh, Jared McCann, who has three goals in uh, in his last couple of games here. And so you could get some really good value out of McCann. I think the player props for me is the way to go. Maybe you look at some shot on goal totals uh, or some point totals. Uh, you know, one Elias Lindholm uh, over, you know, over one point is minus 160. Not a ton of value there, but um, still an option for you. But I think in a toss up like this one, I prefer – To
0: look at some player props. AJ, we'll close the show with a brief chat about the World Junior Hockey Championships uh, currently underway on the east coast of Canada. And uh, early upset in Game One, Czechia defeated Canada five to two. And uh, the United States was in tight, in tough, in a one nothing game that they managed to win. I think in the early returns. Are you following this with any kind of interest? I know I know, mine is a little bit tainted by the fact that the Leafs are one of – well, the Leafs and Penguins are the two teams in this tournament that don't have any players represented on any of the rosters. But interesting look with a couple of the upsets that have happened so far, and I know this is something that certainly catches the eye of a lot of fans north of the border.
1: Yeah, Paul, as we've talked in, the, in past years, this is not something that's really on, on my radar – um, and I don't think it is on the radar for a lot of uh, U.S.-based fans. We just we have so many other options on on sporting events to watch um, that I think this one, unfortunately, and due to broadcast schedules, stuff like that kind of falls under the radar, at least for me. If I'm wrong about that, if you're a huge U.S.-based uh, fan of World Juniors, you're watching every game, hit us up over on Twitter. I'll give that plug again, at two 24 at Statsman22. Let us know what you think in these situations? Cause I unfortunately have not watched any of these games yet.
0: Well, I'm going to get a, I uh, <coughs> have a feast over the next few days as a, as the tournament continues. It's a big deal in Canada, AJ and just to get an eye on, on who the top prospects are. And even a lot of undrafted, a number of undrafted players here, getting a good look at them at uh, on this stage is something that I've always been intrigued by. In any case uh, we will next speak to you in the new year, all the best to our listeners. and happy 2023 to you, uh, AJ, as well. And we'll look forward to picking up where we left off today on the next episode. Thanks for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. And uh, we'll see you next year. So long, everybody.